When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily. This is an award-winning Premier League podcast. Hit subscribe now and you won't miss a show, including any of our interviews with former top flight players. Last week, we spoke to former Tottenham man Pascal Chimbonda. And seeing as we'll be talking about Manchester United today, you can scroll back in the timeline to find our conversations with United legends Wes Brown and Brian McClare. There's also a Class of 92 member on the way later this week as well, so don't miss that. My name's Niall and on today's FSD, we're going to take a look at a player who's only been at Manchester United since the summer but has already become a huge fan favourite. He's a key component for Eric Ten Hag at Old Trafford but the Reds will have to find their way without him for the next few games. That man is Casemiro. The Brazilian has been brilliant this season but what is it about him that has really revolutionised United's midfield? Well joining us on today's show to tell us exactly why is Man United fan Cam who you can see on the United View YouTube channel also known known as Statman Cam on social media as well. How are you doing, Cam? I'm good, thanks. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. It's uh, always nice to talk United and always good to talk football with someone who knows their stuff. So it's good to be on. Casemiro is obviously going to miss the next few games. He got sent off against Southampton. First of all, did you think it was a red card in that goalless draw? What, what was your take on it? It was a bit controversial. I'll be honest. When I saw it back at half time on the screens they've got in the concourses, it was a yes. I, mean, I think there's no way, especially if it was against us, it's, it's definitely a red card. It's, I think it's really hard to argue. Maybe it's a little bit unfortunate in the sense, obviously, his foot's basically got nowhere else to go because of the ball is trapped between um, him and the, op- the opposition player. So that's a little bit difficult. But look, it's it's a red card. And if it was against us, I'd be fuming if it wasn't given. So yeah, uh, there's no nowhere else to hide really on that. Yeah, I'm with you. And United have decided they're not going to appeal that Casemiro red card. That was announced yesterday. So he will be missing for the next three games after that straight red against Southampton. How big a miss will he be then, Cam, following that dismissal? Even bigger miss, I think, because I think it's actually now four games because it's the second straight red in the league this season. So makes it even worse. Um, Look, he's been absolutely brilliant for United this season. And I think... There's so many different reasons why. Obviously, on the psychological side, in terms of what he's won previously, the impact he has in the dressing room, you can see that with the the way he celebrates with everyone else around him when United score, when we get a win at the end of the game. I think that's part of the reason the fans love him, but also on the tactical side as well. We know Eric Ten Hag likes to 
I think it's fair to say we've got a more structured press under Eric Ten Hag than we've had under the last few managers. And if you've got that, you're going to need players that, if the press does get breached, does get broken, you need players that can sweep up and have the right experience to know where and when to be when that sort of situation arises. And Casemiro is fantastic at that because obviously quite a lot of the time United start with our higher midfield players, maybe that's Bruno and Fred, for example, of, of late. Um, they'll start sort of man-to-man on the opposition's deepest midfield players, meaning that obviously when the press does get broken then, Casemiro's got a decision to make if the fullback gets out, for example, he's got to know whether he stays with his man in midfield or whether he goes out and confronts the fullback. And that experience really is what sets Casemiro apart from a lot of other midfielders. I think in recent seasons, you've seen Scott McTominay, you've seen Fred, um, even at times you've seen Paul Pogba playing in the pivot for United a little bit deeper. But that's something that defensively those guys don't have. And it really takes an elite defensive midfielder to have that in their brain to know when's the right moment to stick with your man and when's the right moment to just leave him and go and clear up the danger somewhere else. And that really, for me, is what Casemiro just has above. He exudes that beyond pretty much any other midfielder around at the moment. Not only does he have that quality, but something I've noticed, and I don't know whether you agree, Cam, is... He's also got an eye for threading balls forward. He likes to play balls into the half space. So he's not just this kind of defensively minded rock who sits back and scans and picks up the ball at the right times, but also he's got vision that's good enough to be able to play in some of the attacking players that United have got. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, maybe not quite, Obviously, we compared that to compared him to some of the other midfield players that United have had in recent seasons. Maybe Casemiro is not the most press resistant of those. I think when he's under really intense pressure, he can struggle. He can be a little bit loose at times. But as you say, when you give him space and time, he can do pretty much anything you want him to do with the football. Especially the sort of uh, the balls into the half space, as you mentioned, long raking switches of play. Um, direct play up to the four players. I think he's very good at doing that as well. And I think that's one of the things that's so Im- impressive about him is that when he does win the ball back, it's not just sort of he nicks, he gets his foot or gets a toe on the ball um, out to win the challenge and technically it goes down on the stats as a dual one or a tackle. He always goes through. He always moves his feet. So he goes, he carries the ball forwards. And beyond that, he's always looking to pass forward straight away with his next touch. And that is so important for United. So important to have in the midfield area. And I think what you saw on, um, on Sunday, only for the first half an hour until he got suspended um, or sent off. What was so nice to see was that Ten Hag had changed things slightly. So rather than the usual system of having a double pivot and a number 10 in front, which um, against Real Betis, actually, Bruno Fernandes was in the double pivot and Fred was a little bit higher. What we saw was really two out-and-out eights with Jaden Sancho and Bruno Fernandes playing either side. And the idea there was... Against the Southampton press, what we were trying to do was draw them in either side using combinations between the fullback and the eight. So on the right side, that was Juan Bissaka and Sancho. On the left side, that was Luke Shaw and Bruno Fernandes. So you often saw um, Bruno popping up in sort of fullback positions on the left. And the idea there was that then, by doing that, we can find Casemiro in space and time once we've broken the press. And that will then let us uh, use his fantastic range of passing, his ability to get the ball into the forward players. And... That's an asset that we haven't really had in that position. Combining that with the defensive awareness that he's got, the ability he's got, the leadership skills, it's look, it's a wonder that United survived for so long without someone like that in midfield. On those leadership skills and the experience that you mentioned previously, you've also highlighted names like Fred and like Scott McTominay. Has he made those players better? Has he made those around him better? Is that one of his other attributes, do you think? I think he makes players around him better in the sense of, I think he makes particularly the centre-backs behind him. He gives them a lot less work to do for starters. 
I think he also, because of the way he plays the game, because of his defensive awareness, I think things are a lot less erratic with him than you get with maybe Fran or Scott McTominay in those same positions. Um, because he knows, I think and that helps to make things predictable for the guys behind him. So if things are predictable, you can make this, the, you sort of build patterns, you build familiarity, you can make the same decisions knowing what the outcome is going to be. So I think just having a player that, it sounds ridiculous, but you put Fred and McTominay in those positions and you give them the same situation to defend 10 times, they won't make the same decision 10 times. They won't even make the same decision eight times. They'll probably do one thing four times, something else three times, and a, di- and a completely different thing altogether the other three times. Whereas Casemiro, well, at least seven or eight of the times, he'll probably do the same thing, which means for the players around him, you can get used to playing with him and you look better because you know what's coming. You're more able to adapt to what you're going to be able to do. You're more able to sort of predict how things are going to unfold. So I think in that sense, he makes players better. But also, I think the biggest thing is that for a very long time, United have lacked a proper out-and-out defensive midfield player. And without one of those, I think it's really hard for a whole team to succeed. I think it's probably the most important player in the team in modern football, especially if you play with a single pivot. So, yeah, I think tactically in that sense of putting other players in their better positions, he helps. But also in terms of the actual situations in game, I think, yeah, he's a massive help with that as well. You mentioned that United have been without a player that's as specialist as what Casemiro does for a long, long time. However, he's just turned 31, Cam, at the end of last month. He's obviously fantastic and still got years left in the tank. But in terms of the longevity, is that a concern for you? Is he more of an intermediate solution? Well, this is it's an interesting one. If he keeps getting suspended at its current rate, I think he could go on playing until he's 40. But <laughs> I think outside of that... Um, I think in defensive midfield, you don't necessarily need to be the quickest player, the most mobile, the most physical. And those are probably the traits that decline quickest with age. I think it's a lot more about your intelligence, about the mental side of the game in that area. I think obviously the the short burst have still got to be there, but I think his positioning is so good. And what you see with Casemiro a lot of the time is that now that he's been in been at United for a little bit longer, he knows how Ten Hag's trying to get us playing. He's able to read where the ball's going to be whilst United have still got the ball. So he's able to read and position himself where we're most likely to lose the ball before we've even lost it, which is so important. And that isn't going to decline with age. His passing range is only going to get better with age as well. So I think there's still probably another three to four years left in him. But then beyond that, I think it's like... The responsibility now falls on United and the um, recruitment structure in place at the club to make sure that we do what City did with Fernandinho. They had City with Fernandinho have one of the best defensive midfielders the Premier League has ever seen. I'll die on this hill. He never got anywhere near the amount of credit he deserved. He didn't get the amount of appreciation that he should have had for being the player he was. But what City did was a couple of seasons before Fernandinho was ready to retire, they bring in Rodri so they can phase him in slowly and it's a seamless transition when Rodri eventually takes over. That is what United have got to get to doing. And before we get there, we've got to fill all the other gaping holes in the squad. So that's the position that we're in compared to City where they've got two great players in every position. So if someone wants to leave or you know someone's approaching the end of probably their career, you can get someone new in two years before and there's a seamless transition. That's the next step for United to be able to start trying to sustain the success and get to the next level on the Ten Hag. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When it comes to Casemiro's discipline then, Cam, I just want to read you this, and I'm sure you're more than aware of it. On January the 22nd, Casemiro was suspended. The next game he played and got sent off, so was banned for the following three matches. His first game back was a 7-0 defeat to Liverpool. And then he played on Sunday against Southampton, where he was sent off again. And so he'll miss the next four matches. So is that disciplinary record a concern, or is that just something that comes with playing in that sort of position? Of course it's a concern, but I think it's important to point out as well, those are league games. That's the last 10 league games, I think, that we've been in. Um, in between that, he has had a man of the match performance in the Carabao Cup final. So it's he has turned up for the big occasion, scored the opening goal, was fantastic in that game as well. So I think you've got to have that balance in there as well. But of course, if a player's missing 10 games through, or near enough 10 games through suspension in the Premier League season, over a 38-game season, that's quite a big chunk to be missing. I think if players are injured for that amount of time, obviously Martial's been injured for way more than that, but when players are injured for that amount of games there are always going to be questions asked of their injury record how they're doing all that sort of stuff so being suspended as well there's definitely questions to be asked it's not it's not a great look to have a player that important out for that long but I think before this season before 2023 he'd never had a red card in his career I don't think at least in the league um, so now that that's happened fingers crossed it's not a regular occurrence but I think you know there's a lot of a lot to be said for inconsistency with the Premier League refereeing I think there's all sorts of things up in the air in terms of that. So I don't want to just fully blame Casemiro for that because, look, the, let's be honest, the one against Crystal Palace was a joke. Getting suspended for that, he didn't do an awful lot wrong. Um, but it's one of those that they're never going to overturn and if you appeal it. So it's a frustrating one. Let's look at Manchester United from a success perspective. Eric Ten Hag has come into the club. It's his first season. He's made big changes. He's made big calls as well. He's not been afraid to leave players out to punish players. Even Marcus Rashford, you think back to that game at the turn of the year against Wolves, where he turned up late and he was punished by being put on the bench for it, despite the fact he was in unbelievable form. He's won that first trophy for six years. He snapped that drought. I wouldn't say United are in the title race personally, but they're a lot closer to where they want to be than where they were before. So you must be very happy with how things are going at the moment. Yeah, I think Eric Ten Hag's obviously done a brilliant job so far. He's um, the, the changes he's brought in pretty much every area of the team have been fantastic. And I think, as you mentioned there, making some of the big calls, making sure he stamped his authority on the club early on was so important because he's got control of the club back as, um, as a lot of, has been made of in recent weeks. I think that's so important because that's the basis on which everything else is built from. You can talk about tactics, you can talk about his philosophy, you can talk about... Um, the players he's brought in, all that sort of stuff. But if players aren't behaving themselves and people aren't pulling in the same direction, the culture of the club isn't right, nothing else is going to take off after that. So I think that was the first thing he had to do. He did a brilliant job of it and everything else builds from that. I think, obviously, look, one of the main reasons United appointed Ten Hag is because tactically he was a manager that was very exciting. He was someone that the club looked at as someone that could elevate United to the next level in a way that Possibly some of the previous managers hadn't. I think under Mourinho, a lot of the football was quite backwards. Um, under Solskjaer, I think there's been a lot made of, were there any tactics? Was it just go out there and enjoy yourself? Was it just Vibes FC? All that sort of stuff. So it's nice to see that under Ten Hag, you've got the tactical side, but you've also got, most importantly, the grounding of the culture being right at the club, which, which sort of leads on to everything else. So as a Manchester United supporter then, what would you ideally be hoping for from the rest of the season. You've already won the Carabao Cup. As I mentioned earlier, I don't think you're going to win the Premier League. You're currently 16 points off of Arsenal at the top of the table heading into this international break. You're still in the FA Cup and you're pretty much already through to the quarterfinals of the Europa League with that big first leg lead over Real Betis. So what would you ideally be hoping for come the end of the season? A couple more 
shiny ones in the trophy cabinet at Carrington, perhaps? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think um, the Carabao Cup was obviously, look, it's not something that once you've built, like once you've won two or three Premier Leagues in that sort of era of your team, it's not something you look at and think, yeah, great victory. But I think what was so impressive about, so important for United about that is that it's not an endpoint in itself. It's just a marker to show that we're on the right path for what we actually want to achieve. So I don't think there's too many United fans going out there and saying, oh, we won the Carabao Cup with the greatest team in the country. Um, but I think it's a nice marker to show we're going in the right direction. That actually, on the big occasion in the knockout games, we can still turn up. We've got players like Casemiro, like Varane, who are used to the big occasion, can turn up in that sort of situation and deliver the results we need to see. And that gives me great hope for the future. Obviously, for the, the remainder of the season, we're not going to win the Premier League. I think the important thing for the league is just make sure we stay in the top four, ideally third, so we don't have to play any knockout games or any qualification games to mess up pre-season next year. Um, but in Europe, look, the finals in Budapest, it'd be lovely to go there. It's a great place for a um, for a night out, as I'm sure you uh, probably know. So it would be a, a great place for a few days. And I think it would be nice to see United in the European final. Even if it's Europa League, that would be fantastic. And in terms of the FA Cup as well, I think City are the only team in there that I think would be a really tough game. I think there are obviously no games easy, but I think City are probably the toughest opponent left. But outside of that, I think we can beat anybody in the country over one leg. I think over two, Arsenal will probably beat us. Um, I think they're just that much better than us at the moment. I think over one leg, of course, we could probably nick it. But over two, no, I don't think we could beat Arsenal. So I hope in the Europa League we don't get them. Uh, but outside of that, I think there's a good chance we can still win the Europa League and the FA Cup. So yeah, fingers crossed, a good end to the season. And next season, hopefully, with a few good signings, we can mount a little bit more of a title charge. Cam's feeling hopeful. And if you are as well, get in touch with us on social media. We'd love to know your thoughts. But before we do go, Cam, where can people find you? Obviously, it's at StatmanCam on Twitter. But what else have you been up to? I know you've been on a few YouTube channels. Yes, so I present a tactical show on United View. Uh, I also do a little bit of stuff on TikTok, a little bit of, on Instagram as well. So at Statman Cabin, all those platforms should be nice and easy to find me. If you enjoy my stuff, just drop me a message, drop me a comment, whatever. Great to hear from you. Uh, but again, thank you for inviting me on. It's been great to be on. No problem at all. You can find Cam on all of those aforementioned social media channels and of course the United View YouTube channel as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Football Social Daily because as I mentioned, we've got a former class of 92 members speaking to us tomorrow on the podcast and you will not want to miss that. But that is it from us today. A little deep dive into Casemiro. Maybe the next time we speak about him, he'll actually be able to play a game and he won't be suspended. We'll catch you later. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.